Hi, I'm Estelle. I spent a decade of my life in the area of social media influence, VIP parties, and traveling the world, but it left me feeling empty, lost, and longing for something more. Now you're listening to The Purposepreneur, where I have meaningful conversations with awesome people about life, purpose, and creativity. We try to figure out who we are and what to do with our one amazing life. I hope this helps you in some way as well. Let's begin. Yeah. Yes, it's in your heart, you know, like you feel it, is, it, it is. you know it. It's in my heart until already. Yeah, I've shared this with before, so it will not escape me when it comes to the time. Yeah, I'm so happy to get Elliot on the podcast today. Hi, Elliot. Hi. Hi Looking so good. beautiful and pretty hey. as usual. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I try my best to at least do my hair. Not something I do very often. So. <laughs> fabulous. Look, you look fabulous. Yeah. So I am so happy to have Elliot today. And we are going to talk about our love-hate relationship with social media. And also, Elliot, you started uh, uh, your own startup called Start Ooh. Something. And so I would love to hear about your startup creative journey as well. Lah. So Elliot, as for those who don't know, was one of the three people in a YouTube channel called Tree Potatoes. And it is definitely, in my opinion, one of the top Singapore YouTube channels of the day. Yes. Shout out to Aaron and Janice as well. And Isaac from Big and Isaac from Big Three Media. Yeah. I miss them so much. So cute, you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's such a a long while since I've talked to them, but uh, you know, they're all doing good. Uh, We're all doing good, if anyone's wondering. Uh, And our journeys have, although we've taken separate paths in doing like creative stuff along the years, I worked with them for a total of eight years, right? Ever since my university days. Eight years? Eight years, yeah. All the way back in 2012. um, Actually, might even be earlier than that. I met them in, in late 2011, early 2012. And then, you know, we just had this small dream of creating content together across, uh, well, we did Wild Banana first with Garina. And after we left a, a year later, we did Three Potatoes for another six-ish, seven years. Oh yeah, yeah it was Wild Banana first with Garina oh. and then Three Potatoes. And yeah, both yeah, were yeah. very popular YouTube channels, right? I mean, back in the mm. day, knowing you guys also yeah. for many years, it was yeah. it was not as saturated as it is now. Mm. But still, well, yeah. I mean, I remember some of your videos even have up to like 100, 200,000 views. Oh, and wow. Uh, I think the best ones it? were like in the millions. We had, oh, we had okay. millions. Oh, sorry, sorry, like, sorry, oh, no, sorry. No, 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 oh. no. It, it was, But that was, the, that was the climate back in the day. Sure, sure, As sure. Off, yeah, I think like on average, we'll get like maybe 200 to 300,000 viewers on uh, particular videos. And then at the tail end of things, yeah. still about like in the, the you know, 100,000s range. La. Right. So... We, we kind of changed our direction throughout the many years as content creators do, right? We all uh, try to find different mediums to express ourselves as our ideas grow. So yeah. there's like channels and stuff. So, yeah. so yeah. many questions, you know, uh, which, we'll, which we'll get to. I wanted to ask also, you know, do you feel like at any point you guys had to sell out, you know, what, is it like to journey through social media fame and you and me both have some similar st- stories in our own personal journey, right? Where you and me both actually around the same time took a step back from this whole social media craziness Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and just, yeah, just actually took, um, took, make our own choice to, to be deliberate and, and like disconnect from that sphere, which is really interesting. But okay, maybe we can start at the beginning. You know, Elliot, have you ever dreamt of, of having a famous YouTube channel? Like how did it happen? And like, yeah, like what were the very organic beginnings? That's a very great question. I can tell you for a very, uh, for a fact that when we started off doing YouTube, none of us wanted fame. Like, as in, you know, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but we really felt like the pioneers of what the modern era YouTube scene is like, right? Mm. Where channels are making money, uh, you form like collaborative groups in order to create like much larger kind of content. Uh, back then, it was a lot of vloggers. So you had your yeah. Toshers, you had your Bikoshers. Uh, all of them were, were vlogging and talking about their lives. And it was entertaining. Uh, right. But we hadn't entered that stage of monetization yet. 
even for ourselves, right? We weren't thinking of monetization because it didn't exist. Um, and when we created, it was just like, okay, this is a marketing effort for Garena back in, in Wild right. Bananas days. And we just wanted to have fun. Like Aaron Jettis and I, we're a bunch of crazy cookie like fellas. How so, do you guys meet each other? Oh, we, we met in the company. So I, I, okay. I love gaming. Uh, I love the gaming. I don't game much anymore. Okay. Um, and I applied for a job in Garena so that I could pay money for university back in the day. It was very, it's more essential than anything Such else. Such a good Singaporean boy, Elliot. Yeah. Let's put your face well, on a poster. I, 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 good yeah. Singaporean boy. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I just, I just needed extra pocket money because sure. going university was sort of like a luxury thing to right. me. And I really, really wanted to pursue the arts. So I said, okay, I need some cash. I finished army. I, I didn't do very well in army, by the way. So uh, my pay was extremely low uh, back in my army days. So I came wow. out, looked for a job, and I did this thing called shoutcasting, which is, uh, think of it like a football commentator, but for online games, for esports. And that's how I met Aaron. Janice joined us a couple of months later to the company where she was a marketing executive. She had just graduated from university. The company comes to us and say, hey, uh, you guys have funny faces, particularly Aaron and myself. We want you guys to do some marketing efforts to promote our new platform. Can you do that? Say, sure. Let's just let's just create a bunch of let's just create a bunch of uh, like a funny content that will uh, catch people's attention. I mean, our demographic is mostly kids, right? So hey, let's do something fun. We watch a lot of entertainment, uh, like entertainment, yeah, entertainment. and education. Yeah, yeah. And listicles were very popular in the United States back in the day. And all our favorite YouTubers uh, were doing that. So we said, you know what? We're going to do some like localized version of it. Let's, right, let's like the try 10 things your girlfriend thinks, correct, but never correct. tell you. Or yeah, like, yeah, 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 the yeah. 10 things now and the 20 things. things like, right. Like titles, right? Now they're yeah. all like goodie titles. But back in the yeah. day, uh, it was very unheard of, uh, at, at least for us. So right. we tried it out by our third video. It went viral. I think we hit like 50,000 or, or 100,000 views in like a week. Right. And that so was very early on, actually. Yeah, very early, very on. early on. We had no expectations. Yeah. It was basically us working for a company and saying, yeah, okay, we'll throw in our head because we're like creatives. But then it started to spin out of control. Week after week, the response got better and better. Uh, suddenly, like press coverage came in. I'm a very, I don't know if you noticed this though, but I'm actually a very quiet, introverted guy in real life. This is you me. You are? Also. I am. <laughs> I always have great conversations with you. So I think I forget yeah. that, yeah, yeah, sometimes you may not be like that 24-7. Okay, I, go I on. Actually, in my university days, I was told that I had to create a more extroverted personality in order to engage better with others. And okay, right now it's a bit more natural, but back then it was like a real effort to like, okay, you can you can you can be something else, right? If and I wanted to be an actor as well, so I was like, okay, I can try this. Actually, so, what I like sorry. about you is that you are a great communicator, and I think it's also great why we're doing this social media um, topic with you because you're very grounded, and you have now you know looking back at our journey for the last you know ten years or eight years, I think you definitely have a lot more insights and reflections. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, first, really the first time I met you, I think, was probably at YouTube FanFest, like the first yeah, ever one. So. I yeah, think so. I yeah. Think so right? yeah, I was must just have thinking been, it probably been. was YouTube FanFest, yeah. I, I'm thinking so too. I, I, I think Wong Fu and like David Choi and Ryan Higa and yes, all of them were, right, were in right. town, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I remember meeting back then. By that time, I was still a very shy kid, but I knew how to do this laugh thing where it made me feel much more comfortable <laughs> in my skin. Okay, that's that's just being transparent. <laughs> so um, you just yeah. laugh at what people say, and then they think that oh, you're you're so nice. You're a great communicator. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, it's like I was like, hey, thank you so much. I learned how to say thank you a lot more <laughs> back then. Got it. And, Sorry. Uh, back to your story. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it, it took me a while to it took me a while to get into into the groove of things because things spun out of control so fast. Um, before I knew it, people started recognizing Aaron, Janice, and I on the streets, right? Yeah. And they would say like, "Can we take a photo?" Or they'll they will look at me. With these, you know, sometimes I don't know if you get this as well. I'm sure I'm sure we had it back in the day, but people will look at you from across the train, and then you know that, I mean, they know that you know that they're looking at you for because you are you. 
and I would be so self-conscious, right? Okay, um, it's just it's just an Elliot thing. It's not me. No. You know, I'm not that cute. <laughs> I no, think okay. I think every time people look at me, I think, oh my gosh, do I have like, you know, like curry on my face or something from Prata? <laughs> like, okay, but yes, I, I think I know what you mean, especially hmm. with regards to you know, I have other good friends who are also social media influencers or yes, who yes. are famous, and hmm. I think sometimes it's not as great as it sounds, right? Because everybody yeah. wants, or a lot of young people nowadays tell me like, oh, I want to be social media famous or I want to be a YouTube star. But actually, I think the reality can be quite pressurizing. Um, yeah. And sometimes you might, like you said, feel like self-conscious or what, wonder like, what are they thinking? Like, yeah. is that something you faced as well? There is, a, there is a lot of public image that you must uphold. Okay, that's one thing for sure. Um, I'm a person who works almost like, in a day, three quarters of it is working and the last quarter is sleeping. And because of that, I tend to get very, very tired. Um, a lot of the times when I would, I, I, I'm gonna tell you a classic story, okay? A right. very classic story. Uh, I took the bus home one day, and this is at like in 2015. So probably like the height of our, my career. 2015, I'm taking the bus home. It's a long day. I'm just finishing um, like school, so I'm in university. I take this bus back and I see these three kids outside uh, the bus stop near my house. And I clearly can tell from the eyes that they know who I am. The first kid, and my, my, my music is usually very soft. So even though I'm plugged in, I can hear everything that's going on. The first kid- I, sneaky. I, <laughs> yeah, I usually put it, I don't like really like loud music in my ears. Right. So I, I disembark from the bus. First kid says, nudges his friend and says, hey, I think that's Elliot. And then the second kid goes, huh, really? Uh, you think that's him? And then the third kid goes, nah, I don't think he's that fat. Deep <laughs> down inside, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm oh. dead. I'm dead, yeah. Truth uh, hurts, truth hurts. Truth hurts, yeah. yeah. Uh, then they come to me and I'm, I'm so tired at the end of the day. Usually I would like, you know, I try to engage and be like, hey guys, or just like wave to be friendly. I'm like super duper tired. One of them comes up to me anyway and says, hey, Elliot, can we take a photo? Uh, it was a very difficult day, but... You still have to smile. You still have to be like, of course. And then, you know, I'm I'm like five minutes from home. But these guys want to talk. Uh, and we just have this small little conversation together uh, where they ask me, like, oh, what's it like being a YouTuber? Do you know this guy? Do you know that guy? And I go, yeah, I know. Yeah, we're friends. You know, we hang out sometimes. And as much as, no matter how you're feeling on the inside, there is a pressure. And I'm not saying that you should always succumb to it, but like there is a pressure to make people happy. Right. There is a pressure to show your best foot forward no matter what you do. Because uh, some of the feedback that I get, especially since I do comedy, is, you know, you made my day. Like, I watched your video and you made my day. Thanks for that. And because you made that day, you feel like, okay, I'm not going to let you down now. You're already, you're, you know, you're really, you're really so nice to me. I'm, I'm not going to be like, hey, I'm too tired to do this right now. But yeah. Uh, part, that's also kind of like one of my introspections yeah. uh, throughout the years was self-care as a, I guess, any sort of like media spotlight, mm. a celebrity or whatnot, as long as you're recognized, is very important because no one will be able, you can feel very lonely at times because no one else uh, will be able to sit in where you're sitting. Uh, everyone goes through their own struggles and because everything that you put on social media tends to be really, really positive, I think nowadays it's a bit different, but like back in the day, you always want to put like super positive things. You don't want to be like a downer. Um, the expectation of you to be extremely nice, the expectation of you to always be funny, you know, uh, is is perpetually there. Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah, that's amazing. I feel like almost like you read my notes that I prepared for this interview or this chat because I literally wrote down, do you feel like you must always put your best foot forward? Like, do you feel it's something you have to always do, which is to keep your appearances yeah. up and keep your best foot yeah. forward? And yeah, it's so great that, and I love, Elliot, how you're so honest with the reality and the struggle of right? Of, of so-called social media influence and social media yeah. fame because everyone wants the good stuff, but we often don't know or realize all the difficulties that come with it. And I think that could also really take a toll on mental health, right? Yeah. Because I think whether or not people are influencers or not, whether or not you have a million followers or 10 followers or, or thousands of followers, I think we're all affected by social media. Like people forget that doesn't mean that because you're famous, means suddenly you are not a victim of social media, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think yeah. often we, we, like you say, we put 
that pressure on ourselves to be like, do people like me? You know, should I be posting more? Then you feel like you have to reply to every comment. And yeah. and the more famous you are, you're going to have more comments, right? Then if you don't reply, people think you're not nice. And mm-hmm. I can only imagine the kind of mental stress and the always having to be on is mm. actually really, really, really toxic and really tough and actually very bad for mental health. Like, so that's mm. that's me. I had to, I had to, um, no scandal, right? No sex scandal, nothing, right? Yeah. I had to just um, take my time topic. off. Yeah, I just had to yeah, take yeah, my yeah. time off social media and 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 reassess my life, you know? Because for me, yeah. I think I came to this place where um, I was like on TV, I was getting more popular. I, I wasn't famous like you guys are. Uh, and I, I don't think I was looking for that, but I didn't realize still how much I wanted to be liked and how much I wanted more and more followers. You know, and the more you get, the more you want. Yeah, like if you get, you get if you get, you yeah, my, my blog at one time had, I think the late the latest, the, the view count was 700,000 for yeah, wow. my old blog. This is like 10 years ago, right? So really early on. And more 10 years ago, 700,000 <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's because I, I always wrote like where like top 10 places to eat and drink in Singapore, in Bali. Then, you know, you put a lot of pictures of your hot friends, you know? So, so, you know, that's, that's all quite good for view count, right? So we, we yeah, all yeah, know the drill, you. we know how to game it. So yeah, mm-hmm. even then, you know, people would say, hey, that's a lot of views, but it's not enough, right? So there's always this yeah, insatiable, right. like hamster wheel that keeps turning. And I think in social media, sometimes we all need to put in our own checks and balances because it doesn't come externally but I think we have to have our own checks and balances to and think okay like like what makes me happy right like you say self-care like what actually validates me am I being validated by what people say or am I happy if um like people misunderstand me but I know myself and my values you know I think these are really difficult questions yeah how about you what do you think has this Um, been part of your journey as well very much so, very much so. I think there was a point in time when um, I think validation is important, but the pressures that I felt sometimes were external. I mean, not always is it uh, introspective and it's not always a result of the self. Um, because, you know, when I did comedy and I always play like these slapstick characters and it's not like super cerebral comedy, right? When you want to play the market for... Um, what is lowest common denominator. You don't want your, your I guess in, in that sense, my brand of comedy back then wasn't supposed to be highbrow. We wanted to make sure that kids, you know, uh, had their first taste of what is local comedy supposed to feel and look like. Um, but it kind of bit me and it hit me really hard when I was in school because in university, my persona and the way I, I'm a very good boy in school, okay? I'm the kind of guy who always answers the teacher in class. I'm the kind of guy who, asks like the difficult questions uh, just because I love the topic. I, I studied literature uh, as, my, as my degree. I had one time I was, I was in this group discussion, okay? And we were just talking about the Odyssey. So Homer's the Odyssey, Greek, old Greek epic. I went on for like a two minute um, explanation of my, my, my rationalization. We're having like group discussions and stuff. And then one guy just turned to me and then he gave me a banana. <laughs> like after I said this whole spiel, right? He just turned to give me a banana. And then I knew at that moment, right? He couldn't, or maybe I, I read into it, but it felt like he didn't even see. Listen. Listen, yeah. He didn't see me for what I was trying to do and the level of intellectuality that I was trying to put out there. Mm. Um, the kind of critical discussion that I was really trying to have. And it just became, after that, like, it was just Beto. So everyone just started laughing. And of course, me being me, I don't want to make it awkward. So I laugh as well. But mm, then I went wow. back feeling like that's new crab. Uh, because mm. I started to also see that a lot of the people around me um, had a fixed image, right? They couldn't see past the multiple Your social media of- image, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, becomes, it becomes who you are. Um, I, I always like separating art from the person. So... Uh, when I before I stepped into this, I never had to think about it. But once you're thrust into the into the into the world of social media, uh, you start to go like, yeah, actually, am I that kind of person? Like, I wanted to take pictures of everything. Like, if I had if I found a good background, I'll be like, all right, friend, help me take this photo so that I can post it later. Uh, if it was like a mundane afternoon, I'll be like, hey, I didn't post anything today. Should I like try to do something to make my feed look interesting? Wow, uh, 
it only hit me much later when I started thinking like all these things uh, felt a bit superficial to me. Not because I didn't enjoy my life or um, the things that came uh, with the job, but you start to wonder who you really are. You have to find some grounding, find some center, uh, centeredness in your life in order to anchor, right? I, I don't know if it's easy for me to explain this, but knowing who you truly are is much more difficult than we give it credit for. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you feel that way sometimes? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think you really expressed and articulated so much of what I went through as well. So I think the last 10 years of being in social media and then taking a step back from social media has given me a lot of perspective and I'm still discovering who I am. But actually, I think it's very difficult to discover who you are when you're always in the midst of noise and activity and you're always needing to perform and put your A game on and feel like you have to please people, you know, because that's where, yeah, it's just, it's just very difficult. I think we need, we actually all need a lot more time and space to understand more about ourselves. We need also the grace to make mistakes. And yeah. in a culture where like, if you, let's say, right, you, you make a mistake and you have a sex scandal or or, or you do anything wrong on social media, then what gonna storm? Okay, I gonna before, so I know. So, you know, it's just a very unforgiving culture, right? People now, they call it cancel culture, which is so toxic. And I, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. And I think, yeah, I regret sometimes also saying cancel this and cancel that. And then now I look back and I, I'm I repentant. I'm like, no, you know what? I shouldn't be saying that. I shouldn't be saying I cancel anyone because everyone matters and we shouldn't be treating people like that. So yeah, I think it's, it's just that in the internet culture and the trolls uh, and keyboard warriors and the social justice warriors have all been at an all time high in this recent years. And, and we really need to to reflect on also our habits, not just how we treat um, people as influencers, but also how as normal people, how we perceive people, how we take in information, how we judge people so quickly by appearances or what we see on the internet. And we know, right? Like what we see on the internet, it's not necessarily always true. Not the and truth. Yeah, also and the culture truth. can be just very unforgiving when there's mistakes. And, mm -hmm. you know, but in real life, the thing is people make mistakes all the time. It's just mm -hmm. that only if you are famous or powerful, like a CEO or like a celebrity, then you people tend to be more critical because suddenly you're so visible. But actually, if, uh, if your neighbor next door made the same mistake, nobody cares, right? Yeah. And, and it's all—it's just—it's human to make mistakes, and I think we need to be more understanding and forgiving, and look at people as humans, whether or not they are people of power, of of fame, or or influence. Some, someone once uh, asked me like a very similar position. It's like, how do we get people to be more empathetic and to be more understanding of the nature of like the internet, right? And I think it boils down to this idea of media literacy. Uh, understanding like what role does media play in our life, whether it's the internet, whether it's social media itself, uh, whether it's television or print publication, uh, or whether it's even in like the kind of news that we read, right? So there is a responsibility for each and every kind of platform to not just show what is current, but also to educate on what that currency sort of means. Uh, it's something which I'm actually very passionate about. Uh, you know, being able to educate the younger people out there, like the Gen Zs, uh, even some millennials in the later, I mean, the later part of the millennial years, closer to Gen Z, they have a very strong feeling about how they relate to um, social media. I'll give you an example. Um, for you and I, I think social media sort of like creeped into our lives uh, when we were much older, I think our right. cognitive functions were more developed. We had already very stable social interactions with people. We had gone through school and our school days without any form, like we're just calling or SMSing people at most, right? right. Uh, there was no place for me to post photos like Instagram, uh, no way for me to do like funny seven second bites with um, like Vine or now TikTok, I guess. But for let's just take an average eight-year-old person now or a nine-year-old kid who's, you know, a couple of years in school, they're born in a time where people are all already engaging on social media, right? Yeah, babies are born with iPads in their hands. Yeah. They already know how to voice search. My like, yeah. little niece who's like four years old knows how to voice search and download her own games into our phones. Yeah. The current parents 
they will give yeah. their kids their own Instagram handle. So they, the kids yeah. don't have a choice on what their Instagram handle is right now. They, they are just yeah. birthed with one, at, you know. Uh, born on Instagram. Yeah, that that could Instagram. be a whole new like, you know, TV reality show series, yeah. right? About like the babies who are born into the world like of Instagram. It. I like it. I would pitch the idea. I would pitch the idea. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yes, Isaac, like, are you listening? Isaac, just joking. Okay. He won't, he won't invest. He's, he's, a, he's a boomer at heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, but you're really on to something. And I, I love like this discussion. It's so thoughtful and it's so true. And we forget that we had some sense of our faculties and our cognitive um, functions and, and in a sense of emotional and mental maturity. I know I wasn't very mature when social media came out. I remember I was in college in Australia and I was finishing college and, uh, and going on to uni. So I studied in Australia when I was 16 onwards and I put up like a photo on social media and boom, suddenly I became quite popular and I got so many comments um yeah and just comments from people that I knew and they were like oh you look so nice in a photo and I was like oh do I not look nice in person but you know and and so it was the start of and then I started blogging and, and posting things also while I was in Australia I was very emo la. I posted a lot of like feelings and like oh I feel feel yeah, f- feeling good feeling bad and lots of yeah, photos yeah, yeah. of my life there and and so that's also where yeah I think where I started getting exposed to this crazy world and I did a lot of bad things not say bad things I think I did a lot of dangerous things being so young so for example in Australia I used to meet up with online photographers and we would do shoots right like two and a half hours into a forest in Australia never met this guy in my life some old man and I'm doing like a bikini photo shoot with him and And then I have to trust him to like send me back to my 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 dorm or wherever yeah, I'm staying. Like looking yeah. back at my life, I think, okay, I always say this. Some people have like nine lives, like a cat. I have a praying mom, right? I have like this Christian praying mom. And I really don't know how I survived because I did so many things, um, right? Because of this whole boom of online and, and the dangers that come with it that, yeah, honestly, I could have been raped. I could have been killed. I could have gotten myself into a lot of trouble. And so please, anyone who's listening to this, please be careful with who you interact with online. Be careful with who you meet online because people are not always what they seem. I'm really grateful I haven't had any terrible experiences, but I've actually had friends who have been raped from like internet modeling. So yeah, just wanted to yeah share that. It's it's a a very important thing because... It's not something which we talk about enough. You know, when when we say media literacy in general, um, there is a whole field of ways, just like the same way we teach moral education in school, uh, the same way we do social studies so that we know our cultural placement, I guess, in Singapore. Media literacy is something which needs to be explored because uh, it's, it's almost dominating our lives. Businesses now fully function on things like Facebook, right? If you want to find out more, you need a Facebook account. And that means from a young age, you might tell your parents, uh, mom, dad, you know, can I sign up for this thing? Because if not, I won't be able to keep up with whatever my friends are doing. Mm. Uh, it was a very common argument that I would have. I wanted a Game Boy and I said, all my friends have a Game Boy and then I, you know, I end up having yeah. one. Social media is that current phenomenon. Mm. Um, yeah, I, in general, there is, it's a lot to unpack, right? Because you and I, We've seen a lot, but I still don't think I'm like an expert expert on, on everything. Yeah. It's just lived experience and the way we do it and the way we we kind of like processed it might be different from the way someone who is not in the media scene might, you know, or the way yeah. a young 12-year-old person might. Uh, it requires a lot of conversation, a lot of conversation. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck in this trap where we don't know how to communicate and we don't know how to safeguard ourselves against like, how to pre- process all the information we're receiving. And I, I love what you say about process and having conversations about this because I think when we speak about things, right, we're giving language to things. Like we all struggle with stuff. But when we talk about it, it brings like light to it. Like, ta-da! It's like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm experiencing. Like, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes as a creative person, I always want to be inspired and entertained right so it's one more article one more video uh click 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 you know like 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 and and you and then before you know it you've watched like 60 videos and you're none the wiser 
and you told yourself this is inspiration and it could even be like honest market research and related to the industry but did we actually need to consume so much information mm-hmm. whereas yeah. I how I see it is I realize I get really unhappy when I'm consuming so much and I'm not creating so I think mm-hmm. for a anyone for whether you're a creative person or not I think we really need to look at the balance between how much are we consuming versus how much we're creating you know because I think if we are consuming so much information it's it's often overloading our minds it's making us unhappy we fall in the comparison trap uh you know you are your mind goes you become like zombified because you're on this doom scroll and And, and it's confusing, right? Like you talk I, I about media literacy. That. So much information is confusing. And you know what? I, I also want to really highlight this. Um, it's something I've been personally processing. I realize it's so important what I give my attention to. Because we often think like, oh, yeah, it's just entertainment. It's just mindless. But actually we don't realize that what we watch, what we read, what we scroll through is shaping and forming who we are. And like you say, we talk about this whole like discovery of who we are. You know, are we what people see us as? Are we what we project on social media? And so much of who we are is also formed by our private life and what we see in our own time, right? So for example, if there's lots of pictures of sexy girls you're always looking at, then naturally you're going to be a very sexual person. And I'm not, I'm not, this is not like a moral statement of right and wrong, but just being aware that, hey, actually, if you're always looking at something, you're going to be thinking about it. And then we wonder and we sometimes don't understand why we struggle with certain things like, right. let's say, porn or lust. And then you have girls, right? My girlfriend say, oh, I can't lose weight. And they can't figure out why. And they want to lose weight. And they're super motivated, but they just can't. And then I realized they're watching Korean dramas till 7am. Then they always crave all the Korean food that they're seeing on, right? The shows or whatever ramen or whatever dishes those shows um, have. And so then they binge on the Korean food and and they crave all this ramen. I'm like, girl, of course you're not losing weight, right? Because you're Mm. eating all this Korean food and you're always thinking about this oppa that you want to be with, you know? So, I mean, again, it's it's not a judgment. It's funny, Mm. but I think it's just important to know that we are what we are looking at and And no, it does affect us. Actually, you know, the same the same adage goes for like you are what you eat. Um, you can bring it to you. You are what you consume, whether it's physically, you know, ingesting food, or whether it's within the cognitive space. Your brain is, for all means and purposes, a an organ which still has to process and take things in. And what you choose to feed your brain with uh, eventually kind of uh, transpires outwards, whether you like to or not. Just like your weight, right? Just, just like your weight, whatever you eat, it will show. And, uh, and yet, if we eat too much, we're going to get digital diarrhea. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I like that. I like that. I, I've always had to, you know, um, yeah. at least in the past couple of years, um, I would say since like 2017, I would make it a point to do like media purge. That means I would take like two weeks off, uh, do my own thing. Still, you know, some of the creature comforts like Spotify are still there. Uh, but by and large, I go back to my books. Thankfully, I was, I was raised reading books. Uh, but just finding ways to... Uh, readjust yourself the same way you would do it for um, what's that called I, I used to do intermittent fasting not to lose weight but to reset the, the body clock so that you're oh like my okay, gosh we're so I'm- similar I do that all the time Elliot I'm always doing like a social media detox and intermittent fasting We can start a health. We can start a health show together now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not a very good sports person. Uh, the only reason I do intermittent fasting right, is to reduce my carbo cravings because I I was a very big kid growing up and I love carbs like mm-hmm. to no to no end. So doing circuit breaker, you know, you're at home, right? It's just like mom's food every day. Uh, she's pranakan, so it's always the richest, strongest food. And my and my wife, she's Vietnamese, yeah. so she makes oh. also like these amazing Vietnamese dishes. Yum. And I told myself, Two women in your life cooking for you. Man, it's, it's <laughs> How just, to uh, lose weight like that? <laughs> yeah, so I told myself, okay, I need yeah. to do a reset. So intermittent fasting resets the body clock. It reduces cravings. And you need to do these kind of things, right? It manages the blood sugar as well. Because a lot about weight is actually insulin. Like people think it's about cutting carbs, but it's actually about like insulin, understanding, Mm -hmm. yeah, your intake for insulin. But yeah, no, that's so great. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I wanted to to go back and ask you again about, you know, so again, we're talking about your social media fame and we had, you had Mm. all these great insights. 
you know, so what, what was like, let's say a turning point for you through that social media journey, you know, since starting Three Potatoes, you know, living the high of the million hits and, and, and also obviously having lots of great sponsorships and having more than a, a young person could ever want, you know, what, what has caused you to sort of, I guess, change your perspective and take a step back and also change your relationship with social media? A, a lot of things, actually. I wouldn't say there's any particular, um, one particular factor that made me say like, okay, that's it, I'm out. If, if anything, I'm still, you know, still pretty much in social media spheres, but I've decided not to make it my entire career. I make it something which is, does not control me. I think the part of which uh, I felt very pressurized was when we started creating more like long form videos, when competition started getting much stronger in the YouTube scene and things started getting a lot more toxic. So I'm sure people know that there's a lot of infighting within like the YouTube sphere, right? There's always people like, oh, you know, this guy hates that guy, there's politics. And I'm not a very political guy in terms of like, I don't, yeah, I'm very bad with- Yeah, yeah, Elliot Lucas, nice guy, Marcel Tan. Come That's on. what everyone says. <laughs> but it's just that I'm very scared of confrontation. Like I don't like shouting and I don't like getting shouted at. Yeah, I'm that kind of like guy. Gotcha. So yeah, when, when things started to get more intense and uh, you know, competition was getting fiercer, right. it wasn't just getting fiercer in a good like competitive way where we're all trying to be like the best creatives, right? Uh, and I decided like all, all my friends and I, like Aaron, Dennis and I, uh, I think we started to get a little more jaded with the scene. We didn't want to be a part of something where it was always thrown in with scandal. Um, we were, some, sometimes we even like surprised at our own decisions, you know, it's like, oh, we have to do this because if not, we'll lose out. Um, and this super kiasu mentality is not something Aaron, Janice and I share very closely. La. Like, I would definitely say I liked working with them because they are very human people first. Like, if something feels bad, they would, you know, not pressure anyone to do it. Uh, and when we all decided like, hey, you know, I think this is bad for us, uh, not just as friends, but uh, in terms of career development, in terms of what we have become, uh, I think it's time we, you know, we just sit back, relax, and enjoy um, the times that we had. La. So the channel is still online. Uh, it's still on YouTube, but we leave it there as a monument to who we were, a way of like looking at it and go, oh, creative you know, process. Yeah, we had some great times. Uh, once in a while, I still watch some old videos just to see like, hey, that was me <laughs> like five years ago. And it's, it's just a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing. Um, but I, I guess there was another factor involved with why I wanted to take a step back was because creatively, I felt like I wasn't really pushed as far as I would like to. Yeah. Um, I started this new company, Start Something Studios. Um, because I wanted to create games. I wanted to create interactive experiences which could reach out to uh, people once again and tell like genuine stories. Uh, doing videos, in particular because my medium was videos, you know, um, it's very expensive and sometimes it's very ineffective um, because the kinds of things that catch attention online just isn't the same as they used to. Uh, We're now bombarded, as you see, with like, you know, uh, all the creators, and to be very fair, a lot of the creators are very good. I, I truly enjoy some of the work local producers put out, but it just wasn't the space that I was comfortable playing with yeah. anymore. And as, as a result, I said, you know, I want to do things which are more meaningful to me, not to the world. Uh, some, it's, it's, I need to create something which I can be proud of, not what people want from me. Uh, it's, I guess that's the artist artists inside right yeah sometimes that's just like me and this podcast it's like yeah, not sponsored exactly. hashtag zero yeah, business just, plan <laughs> you know not <laughs> trying to sell you an e-commerce plan yeah, yeah. yeah but the sponsorships were great I, I had a lot of fun yeah. having like being sponsored people would just reach out and be like hey uh do you mind uh we want to send you this thing all we ask is that you share it on social media i go like wow this is great as a 23 year old kid getting showered with like yeah. watches and money and exactly i feel money. you yeah uh, was, i remember i remember yeah i used to get sent for like press trips in my one of my i i also won a social media competition i made a 15 second video and i was sent wow. to new york and they put me That's in like awesome. a, a New York penthouse hotel for mm -hmm. one week. They paid for my airfare. They gave me spending money and I was spending time with like the 
um, Huffington Post, Upworthy, Vice, oh. Seth Golden, um, yeah, all the founders and those those Dang, people, they're really? heyday. So, so that was it was great. You know, there were lots of highlights, and I think I mm-hmm. guess. I guess I would see it as like my social media success where my parents were like, what, what are you doing? Uh? We have no idea what you're doing, but how come you seem to be, you know, you seem to be getting some, some kind of success, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I'm really grateful for that. But like, same as you, I, I think I came to the point of how much clothes can a girl have? How much perfume can a girl have? How many meals can we go to? And it just mm. felt like, like now that yeah. I look back, I love the influencer scene because a lot of them are my dear friends. But I feel like also fundamentally something is broken. Like I don't want to perpetuate this whole system of where we just keep giving influencers more and more stuff. Then they create this amazing looking life that all the young people are aspiring towards. Mm. And, And then the more fame they get, the more stuff they get. And then the more the young people feel like that is what the dream is meant to be, and that's how they're meant to live yeah. their life. And then you know, like it's it's just kind of broken. Like I feel like I feel like social media needs to be more meaningful. I think I think content needs to be um yeah, like have deeper engagement and and be more meaningful and yeah, and have and also help people to discover who they are and who they're becoming mm-hmm. rather than just all about like accumulating stuff because that's the life, um, the dream life that people aspire yeah. towards, you know. Yeah, I think that's no, something I like. I started endorsing, or rather, I was pressured into endorsing things which I absolutely did not believe in, and that was a that was a big thing as well, lah. It was like, hey, we want we'll pay you this amount of money to say that you like this thing, and I was like, I hate this thing. I don't believe in this thing, and I don't want to take money to say and tell people who. A lot of them are my a they're my dear friends, right? Um, like people follow me on social media who are very. Uh, big advocates are, and the ones who usually engage my posts because they support the friends is uh, you know they, they say like hey Elliot you want to take this thing even though you like don't like it and it felt bad it felt bad to tell them like yeah you know they they did say they would pay me this amount and uh, the running joke in my group of friends was that I was starting to sell out and I was like thinking to myself but I'm not that kind of guy I, or rather I don't want to be that kind of guy I like I like endorsing things which are authentic things that um, for example, uh, there was once I was asked to endorse like uh, like the what's that called the Speak Good English campaign. That's worth. I I'm very into making people read and and learn better. Of course, I will put my face there and say like this is I can personally advocate for. But if you know you ask me to endorse some like facial cream or whatnot, my skin A isn't great. B, um, they just want to hit a. Note to but sponsors, it, don't send Elliot facial cream. Send you games, gamer chairs. Yeah, exactly. Those are the kind of things that I would sure. really yeah. at least use and then I can give a proper endorsement if you know if yeah. things look out well. But you're always I, pressured into doing it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I kind of, I, what I'm hearing from you is actually a lot of it goes back to your values, right? And also when you were talking about your experience with Aaron and Janice and the three of you mm. collectively, you know, actually being very collaborative kind of people and then seeing the kind of competitiveness and comparison trap that tends to happen in the YouTube scene and in social media mm. and you guys were like, hey, you know what? That's, that's not our vibe. That's not our values. So what, what I'm hearing from you is that you're actually it either builds your values or it reaffirms your values. And I think it's also so great that you were so aware and honest in the process because if I think if people don't have a strong foundation of who they are and of their values, then fame and influence will crush them. So fame is not bad, right? That's why you see plenty of people who do good because they know who they are they have great values. So when they're given a platform or influence or fame, they use it for good. But very yeah. often when we're young, or, or I know at least for myself, when I was young, you are still very much wanting to be validated. We want to be significant. And when social media gives us that significance and all that stuff and all the, the, the yeah, all that, all that stuff, then it starts becoming our significance, you know, and it becomes like our, who we are is a very shaky self. So I think this whole, this whole process with social media perhaps also has been that of like you, it, what you do is not as important as who you're becoming. Do you feel yeah. like that's something that resonates with you as well? Of course, of course. I think you couldn't have said it any better. The The idea of introspection and not everyone is as lucky. I can, I can definitely feel that way because 
without being around other people who could be my echo chamber and to say like, hey, you know, uh, is this really what you want? Uh, you like, got to slow down, man. You know, you're just... Slow down. Yeah. Like, is it worth it? You know, um, I think not everyone ever gets that chance. And growing up is a very confusing thing. I, I, I don't want to be too presumptuous, but it's very difficult to find like your perfect group of friends and it's very hard to find your perfect sense of self at a younger age. So everything that you see, that you feel, that you aspire towards is by and large a product of, of, of like the media you consume. I think about my time when I was a kid and just watching television, right? It's not like cable, like cable TV and stuff. We still had reality TV shows and I'm very sure that some of it must have rubbed off on me. Um, but they would be the equivalent of what an influencer is like today, right? At some level, at the very least. Maybe not as intimate because now you can be glued to an influencer for like a good part of your day if you really wanted to consume their content. YouTube has an endless stream of play, played videos, you know? These kind of things are difficult to navigate. And I don't blame or I wouldn't say, you know, hey kids, you need to you need to know this now and get and get your shit together. I mean, it's not gonna happen. In fact, it's more of a when you have the time and when you start to gain some sensibilities, hold on to that. Hold on to that. Learn how to uh, look back and not jump the gun too quick. Don't follow hurt mentality. I think these are simple, easy tricks that we can um, you know, tell and impart to, to the younger audiences out there that it's cool if you want to do the things that I do, but don't forget that you have a life of your own that is so separate from mine. Like you are in control of your own destiny uh, and look at what you have, not what you want. Look at, look at the things around you and ask yourself like the hard questions, not to be mean because no one should ever want to be like someone else per se. Like you don't need the stuff that I have. Um, when I share like some influencers and some of the really good American YouTube vloggers, you know, they are actually very aware of these kind of things. So they tell their audiences like, hey, you know, just because I have these things, um, it doesn't mean that I'm successful. I'm given these things to share and it's marketing. Like my, I only take sponsors who I can clearly say either A, I love the product or B, they come to me and I have, I, I tell them I will only accept it if I tell everyone this is pure marketing. Like that, that means responsibility. Responsibility is when you are transparent. You're not trying to put on airs about it. You're not trying to make yourself much bigger than you actually are, right? We have to show vulnerability. We have to show that we are human at the end of the day. If we want to make social media a place in which more human interaction can occur. I'm not yeah. saying, you know, we can't get rid of it. We definitely can't get rid of social media. But yeah. humanizing it is, I think, the, the next upgrade in our social media journey. Uh, yeah. I love what you're saying, what you're saying about transparency. And I think what comes to mind is authenticity, right? I think mm -hmm. a lot of what makes us unhappy or what's toxic about social media is when something is not the truth, but it masquerades as the truth or something that is, yeah, you know, that is not the way, those things are not, they don't appear the way that it actually seems. And so much about it would also be much better if, yeah, we were just more authentic with ourselves and with each other and with social media. Yeah. That's that's a, a wonderful sentiment. I don't I don't claim to have all the solutions and certainly I don't think anyone in this world does, not even Mark Zuckerberg, you know. Yeah. But and and actually one thing you mentioned that was quite interesting was you talked mm -hmm. about what you have versus what you want, right? And I think what a lot of times social media does is that it perpetuates desires of, oh, wow, this influencer has that, which I don't, or that person has that, or that person in my circle has this and has gone to these places, but I haven't. And, and I think it's so important that we're just aware of how we're feeling and learn how to, yeah, how to look at things in a more healthy way. Yeah. 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 And it's not just with like influencers, you know, it's not about a young person looking at influencers and say, I want that. It's also between like your own social circles. For younger generations, you know, like uh, you would post something and then you'd be like, man, my friend has that as well. Why don't I have those things? And if your friend is flexing really hard on it, it can, just as when you're in school and someone would have, bring some cool toy to, 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 uh, to play with, you'd be like, dang, I wish I had those things. Yeah. It's, it's just that you're more, you're more closely connected now. 
because it's not just a few hours that we're in school together. It's everywhere. Before you go to sleep, those pictures are right next to your, your phone and every kid has a phone now. Yeah. I, I find that some form of regulation might be helpful, but you know, I'm not a parent yet, so I don't want uh, to jump the gun on it. Uh, either. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think self-regulation and I think it starts with awareness, right? Because if you know what you're giving your attention to, like, do we even know how much media we're consuming on a weekly basis? A lot of times we are doing it very mindlessly or automatically or, oh, I feel like watching this. And then one, one series becomes like the whole series or because becomes like what, five seasons, right? And yes. I think it's really just about uh, yeah, being aware, being honest with ourselves, being honest with others. So that would that would really, really help. Hey, for the last part, I wanted to ask you about your creative journey. So you started Start Something and it's really cool because I think it's such an ingenious idea to make board games. I think it's a great way of engagement. A bit ironical, right? Being Having your sort of success online and then saying, you know what, I'm going to ditch all of that and make board games and, and, and create online, I mean, offline entertainment yeah. and engagement. And yeah. you also grew very fast. You went from like three staff to like 15 staff in a year. And yeah, that's incredible growth as a person, as a business. But like, what were the, what was the journey or the startup journey like for you? Maybe you can share like, sure. yeah, how it started and and like how it's evolved and what are you learning from the process? So we, when we started Start Something Studios, just me and my best friend, John, um, he is, a, he was an ex He's super cool as well. Yeah. Chatted with him before, cool. right? Yeah. Yeah. Great you guy. guys are like cool nerds. <laughs> He's way more cooler nerd than me. I'm, I'm the guy who sits there and just like, okay, you know, I try to talk about stuff, but he can go on and he's very knowledgeable. Uh, we, we started off because I, you know, we were coming to the end of the YouTube journey. Aaron, Janice, and I decided like, okay, I'm going to take a hiatus for a while. And in my head, I was like, mm, I don't want to go to a nine to five job first and foremost, because I've never, I'm not a very good morning kind of person in that sense. Like I can't go to work at like 9 a.m. like on the dot. Because I've, I've never had a full-time job. I mean, I've always done this as, as, as a thing. Um, but true I also creative, wanted- True creative, true creative. Yeah, I unfortunately, mom wasn't like, you know, wasn't super thrilled, but she was supportive. Um, but I wanted to go back to something which really bound me and my friends together, which was like offline tactile type games. Uh, so board games was something which I felt was genuine connection. Have you always me, grown up with board games? Uh, not really. I, I mean, I played a lot of board games in my like junior college and university days. Uh, but that was just as like a leisure thing with friends, you know, like we wanted to sit, sit around like the canteen table after school and just like, I don't even want to talk about work uh, or like school work. Let's just like someone would just bring out a small board game and say, hey, let's do this. And some of my most fondest memories and bonding moments that were not on the phone or not in the digital space actually came from there. It was not expensive for us to do it. It was very enjoyable because there's always like social elements. And it occurred to me that um, with my experience of making these or playing these games, uh, I always try inventing newer things, right? And Didan said, I always wanted to make games. Uh, it's cheaper than making a digital game, that's for sure. So that was a big reason. I'm dying to play but, Catan now, now that you're talking yeah, about Yeah, I love games. Catan. A big, big inspiration for stuff I do as well. Awesome. Uh, the European side. So yeah. good. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, go on. It was, it was really like the fact that I wanted to get us away from like the digital side of things. Uh, there has been a rise in people who want a more authentic, like, you know, experience with their friends, just like sitting down. Uh, put it this way, I think tabletop or like board games in general, they are less competitive than we would like them to think and less nerdy than we used to like find them, you know. Uh, I always found it to be more of a social experience where we could sit down, I could brew a pot of tea, make some like fruitcake and then just like sit down, chat, play. You want to stop playing, you just stop playing in the middle of it and then continue your conversations. Yeah. It was a way of gathering people together and I really, really liked that. I missed that so much. Um, I came, So I pitched this idea to... Uh, my good friend of mine, you know, Isaac from Big Three, and he said, dude, you have to make this in something. I was going to do it as a side gig, by the way. It wasn't going to be a business at the start. It was just supposed to be like a side project that I do while yeah, I... Yeah, I could see he would totally appreciate something like that. Because Isaac's loves. super creative and he's got a great business mind as well. I mean, he does like the video, but he does sound as well. And yeah, uh, creative yeah, yeah. people, 
so talented. Oh, gifted at everything. Okay, go he's, on. He's that guy who's like always itching to try and break the barriers, right? In, in like yeah. what is what is current media. So I, I told him and I said like, oh, after this, I'm going to do freelance acting, freelance writing maybe. And then, you know, with whatever spare cash I have, I'll invest in making a board game. They said, nah, 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 nah. We're going to make this like together and then we're going to try and make it big. Our first board game that we did it took me about six months to develop the art and then maybe another three months to, uh, so nine months in total to create both art and the board game uh, mechanics itself. We went to Kickstarter, the only place that I knew how uh, to kind of work the market. And yeah, we made, we made like uh, almost 300% in terms of like our raised goal. Uh, we set wow. it at like, I think 15,000, uh, but we ended up raising somewhere close to like 45. And wow. that for me was, was shocking. A, because a lot of my friends supported it, but B, because the kind of response and the kind of community care that surrounds it was extremely appealing. Like here we are, we're just like, uh, we're just a bunch of, you know, nerds in Singapore who all we had was a vision. All we had was something that we believed in to bring people together for like Christmas. It was, it was scheduled to be released last Christmas. And yeah, that was it. That was all we ever wanted to do. Right now, um, however, you know, when COVID started to develop and uh, with the factories in China where we produce these things shutting down, mm, we had to like true. kind of shift gears. And thankfully, we managed to develop like a digital marketing and a digital development arm uh, so that we could still tell stories and try to outreach into uh, more like public spaces. Uh, to, so now we're creating things like... Um, a web interactive storytelling, so ebooks, you know, where you can click and then like the audiobook plays, but there's like a choose your own adventure type of thing. So oh, still gamified. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think I think yeah. These customized experiences are really like the future, because even with like video, I remember like my friends um from Ministry of Funny, like Terence, even mm. very early on, like seven years ago, he was already telling me how he wanted to always customize videos with um yeah with like different endings. Yeah, shout out to Terence. He's also such a forerunner, incredible, yeah. creative, brilliant. Mm. Yeah, and he's, he's a very good person to talk about uh, his journey as well. Yeah, Brilliant, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I think these uh, that's great. Like how you're you're pivoting and and even yeah, using these, a, these skills. I, I guess I want to emphasize just one more part of it, which is even though we're moving into like digital space to tell these stories, because you know our world now in a COVID situation requires a lot more digital content um, and a lot more digital interaction. I think there is a sense that we're very anchored by responsibility. That is to create something which is in line with our own values and not to saturate and not to uh, make someone addicted to it, but to have that fleeting moment. And when they're done with it, they can take something away with them. I don't want them to keep coming back and, you know, get them hooked. Like uh, some mobile games, you know, they have certain systems where- Probably built in that way, right? Yeah. They're built, they're built to make you addicted. They're built to make you- like, Candy crush. <laughs> yeah, like Candy crush. They make you log in every single day to collect some rewards. And then they reward you for playing every day, stuff like that. We- greatly do not want to create another um, addiction machine. In fact, it's just like a storybook or like a movie that you, you watch in the theater. You sit through that, that period of time that is designed for, and when you walk away, you think about it and you just have this good feeling inside your heart. I think that was a, is a big motivator for the kind of things we want to create, even though it's going to be perpetually online for eternity. It's something that I want people to know, hey, you know, uh, just because just because I want you to see it doesn't mean I want you to stay forever. It is not healthy for us to always be glued and like Netflix. You know, just keep yeah. playing, playing, yeah. playing. Yeah, it's it's a it's an experience. An experience cannot last forever. That's the important bit. Just like life. Wow, so good. And how about your growth journey? So, what has it been like? You know, being just a a passionate creative person like you to now having like 15 staff yeah like, <laughs> uh, a lot more a like lot personal more stressful. growth journey 101 that's a lot more stressful uh being being are they all so, full-time or are some of them like freelancers and vendors i know they're all they're all full-timers here in the company uh we have a small branch in malaysia as well so uh we have Four, five of my staff are in Malaysia and then 10 are in Singapore. Um, 
they they work remotely, obviously, but they're managed um, by a team leader uh, in KL. But uh, I guess the gro- the growth journey here was more of trying to change my mindset from just being pure creative into also having some business sense and managerial responsibilities, right? Uh, with Aaron and Janice, we were doing three potatoes. It was just three friends doing all whatever it is. We had like a few uh, people, like our editors and stuff and, and other director uh, who would sit in the office with us, but we worked very collaboratively. There was no hierarchical structure. Uh, in, in my current company, I, I still like to think there's no hierarchical structure, so to speak. Everyone is very cordial. Like we laugh and we joke. People still make fun of me. You know, it's it's just another day in my life. But um, it's more. It's still you know directing workflow, understanding what departments need, what people need for their developmental growth. Because we're not not in a creative space. So the the fact that marketers, you know, they want to do bigger projects. Uh, artists, they want to grow uh, their illustration portfolios. Uh, that to me is pretty foreign, but I, you know, I just read a lot more books lah, to try to catch me up to speed. Actually, it's a really good point that like everyone comes with their own different desires and visions, right? Because we're not robots. You don't come into a company and suddenly, wow, you can just perform 100% whatever the company desires of okay. you. But but everyone kind of brings their own like angst, their own interests, their own like, actually, Elliot, why don't you do it this way instead of that way, yeah, you know? Yeah. And actually learning to manage all these relationships can definitely be pretty tough. Maybe I can ask, just one last one or two last questions about this journey right like to what measure do you think you could have planned your creative and business journey Ooh, uh, you feel like it was just like one taking just a step and one door opening and then taking the, that step and another door opens like did you like like the little Elliot at 16 years old ever see himself right becoming YouTube famous and then starting a board game company and then now managing 15 people regionally. Like, wow, that's like goals, man. (laughs) It is so But so scary and foreign though. Yeah. Still figuring everything out too, right? Yeah. At the end of every year, I write myself a letter. Okay. And this is, I've never told this to any, on any public space before, but at the end of every year, I write myself a letter. And it's very funny that you mentioned it because I think when I was, uh, I finished junior college, I was 18. I wrote myself a letter and I read it quite recently where I told myself, Elliot, I can't wait for you to finish army and then you can become the thing you always wanted to be, which is, I wanted to pursue academia. Yeah, I wanted to be a professor in literary studies. And oh my gosh, so adorable. I'm a, I told you I'm so a nerd. Funny. I'm a huge lit nerd. Yep. Yep. Um, and the crucible. Yeah, I was... To I, kill I a mockingbird. Like, okay, you know, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I was so in love with the idea of academia. I was like, wow, nothing would, would beat the thrill of being paid to study for the rest of your life, right? Um, and when I read it, like, I, I probably read the letter like maybe six months ago only during, yeah, during Circuit Breaker. And I told myself, that's nuts. I definitely never wanted to do anything with media. I never wanted to do anything with being an entrepreneur. In fact, like, I have almost zero desire to do a job, uh, or rather I had zero desire to do a job where I had to interact with um, like a lot of, you know, like peers and employees on a regular basis. As, a, as an educator, most of the time, it's like student-teacher relationships or, uh, you know, faculty, like level meetings and stuff. But by and large, academics are, are placed uh, in a space where you have to just write papers and, and do all the research and prepare for classes. And I love that. Um, but I've also grown so much because I know that I no longer want to be a literature. I might want to still pursue a PhD in the future in literary studies, but who I am today, um, and it's important that I think a lot of people note this, you will grow in ways in which you were never going to be prepared for, right? You are always going to have moments where you'll be like, mm, I, don't, I don't know if I am in control of my own destiny or like maybe I'm being swept away by the current. You won't, you won't be so easily swept as long as you make like conscious steps every, you know, every, every uh, milestone. When I did the YouTube thing, I was very sure that I had a choice in it. And I said, I don't have to continue this YouTube thing. I don't want to. No one ever pressured me into doing it. And I said, no, I want to take a risk. I want to live my life adventurously. No regrets, right? So, okay, let's do this YouTube thing. After that, three potatoes came along. We're going to do this as a business, three of us. Uh, 
I was like, okay, I will do this thing. Even though it's not the top of my list, I'm not like super hyped. But if I say no to it now, I might never get the chance again. And likewise, you know, with the board game thing, when Isaac, you know, at first it was going to be a side gig. Uh, when Isaac said, no, we should do this together. I said, you know what? If he believes in it and he's willing to take a risk, I have a choice in this as well. Okay, you know what? Let's do it together. The deliberateness of moving into these spaces, whether or not, you know, your master, your grand plan had it in the first place, I think is, is pretty redundant sometimes because life has so many things in store for you. Uh, I don't want to be a, a, a lit nerd now, but there is this poem by Sylvia Plath, okay? And it's about seeing these plums growing on trees. And uh, in the poem, I, I, won't, I won't read it, but like in the poem, uh, she looks at all these different, like there's a fig tree, I think, and, and there's a plums and they're all hanging and she's wondering, which one should I pluck? She looks at them for so long, and the poetic voice looks at it for so long that it just rot, and she gets none of them. Mm. And in my mind, that's uh, it's a it's a good metaphor for choices in life. If you if you you in your life, you probably have a lot of different things that you could be or you know you would want to be, but making the choice of what it actually uh, what you can take at a moment in time is just as important. Uh, alternate universe theories and whatnot. I could have been a professor in my in another life, uh, but this is what I chose for now. And you should be happy with that. You should live with it and um, ne- always know that you're somewhat in control. Yeah. Wow. As this, is a, this is a great way to end. <laughs> I, I love it. You know, I think it also really sums up quite a, quite a bit of our conversation, right? Which is that we have a choice over a lot of things. We have a choice over what we see, what we scroll through, what we watch, whether we choose to watch, you know, one video or like, a thousand videos we have a choice with what we do and and i think it reminds me of like this this phrase right do it afraid but do it anyway and I I, it really also is aligned with your company name start something like <laughs> you know i as a creative i'm always overthinking like oh my mm-hmm. gosh only been working on this podcast for, or thinking about it for a year and a half no big deal you know people are like oh it might look like she just kind of had an idea and started it out yeah. the blue, but no, I've been thinking about it for a year and a half and yeah. and we all have to start something and we have to start somewhere as well. And, yeah, exactly. and we are all in the process of figuring it out and there are things that are beyond our control, but there are also things that are within our control, which is a helpful frame of mind, this COVID period. That's wonderful. Yeah, that was great. Thanks, thanks Estelle. I, I really feel like we, we uncovered quite a fair bit and... Uh, I'm sorry if I rambled on a lot, but that's just kind of person I am on these kind of shows. Uh, but it was really nice that I could share with you some of the inner workings of how I think about social media, as well as like hearing from you your own experiences, because I see a lot of like similarities between between us. Twins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So glad. Thank you, Elliot. And we look forward to you starting something and growing it into something more thank you so much thank you so much hey guys thanks for listening today what is one thing that you are now thinking about from this episode take some time to write it down and feel free to share it with me as well by the way it would help me so much if you can leave me a review on itunes and share this podcast with your friends thanks guys and see you next time on the purposepreneur